Well, good morning, everyone. I, I really, I really appreciate the blessing of having so many men that can stand up and speak and preach. And oh, I got to turn myself on. Okay, there you go. I'm on. Am I on now? Yeah, there you go. It's such a blessing that there are so many who are able to preach and teach. And it's been a blessing to have Kirk all these years here. Uh, he's now serving at Alvador, and I don't know if Alvador is going to decide to keep him or not. But if Alvador does decide to keep him, they're working with them so that their schedule will change a little bit so that he can be out here for our uh, Sunday morning assembly. And so I'm excited about that because then I can put him back to work out here too. But uh, don't tell him I said that. But the reality is, is that he has done a phenomenal job. Now this morning, he particularly asked that we would pray for him in his, his presentation. The plan of salvation has really been discarded by the churches. God's plan of salvation. And I think people just get tired of preachers and leadership get tired of teaching the same thing. And here's why. You know, people get kind of like, okay, we've heard it over and over and over again. The sad fact is, is that that one plan of salvation was established on the first day of creation and it is a plan of salvation that will carry every soul into heaven, even the very last soul who receives Christ Jesus as Lord. And in obedience to the gospel, is crucified, buried, and raised with him in the waters of immersion. God is so patient. It's absolutely amazing to me. How long has it been? 6,000 years and God is still patient. My prayer is, is that we would be patient as well and prayerful as well. There's a lot of good people in the Alvador Church. Many of them have been there for years and have not heard the plan of salvation, but they love God. It's amazing the love they have for God. So I am not sliding them in, in any way. I'm sliding the shepherds that have been there before that have not taught them correctly. It's really a shame. So I pray the Pleasant Hill Church would continue to grow up preachers. So if there's other opportunities out there that they would go as well. I have absolutely no problem with that. And it really is honest. It's a testimony to this family here in encouraging and supporting those who would stand up and preach. Now, many of you know we have a new brother in Christ of about six months. So actually, when February, when you were immersed, right, Darren? And so Darren's going to be preaching his first time at uh, my place the second Sunday in October uh, in the evening. And so I'm very excited about that. Uh, we've been talking about his lesson and, and I shared some things and I love Darren. He goes, yeah, that's good, but here's what I want to preach. <laughs> I go, yeah, that's excellent. And, and I can't wait for you to hear what he has to share. It's going to be fantastic. And so uh, uh, I praise God for this body because I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a work that's going on up in Portland. There's a work that's going on over in Denver and they came from this body of Christ. And there's a work that I believe is forming that's gonna be starting in, in uh, uh, Salem. And it's because 
we're committed to the truth and we're supporting this. And so I'm so excited. So, so thankful for all the years that you've, we've served together and the patience that you've had. Now let's get a little excited here. Mr. Ryan, I love listening to you speak. Max. <laughs> that was a great sermon this morning. It's like, here he is. He stands up and goes three hours of sleep and here we go. And he delivers something that's right on the money. Thanks. That's awesome. How many think he did a great job? Woohoo! You got the gift, my son. Scott, I so appreciate your servant's heart in setting, uh, serving the body of Christ here. Also helping me yesterday paint my shop. <laughs> oh my goodness, the rains are coming and we're not quite even close yet. All right, Ty, for helping paint the house and cleaning the building. Thanks for doing a, a good job of painting in the lines. Okay, I might need you out of my place coming up soon. There you go, let's go to for Ty. Servant's heart. Max helping paint the house and clear the building, helping Grandma snap beans. Oh, is that for canning, Grandma? Yeah. All right, let's give it up for Max. Woohoo! All right. Oh, this is a great one. Pam, it's that time of the year, working, canning, spending time with the grandkids. Oh, let's paint garden. What an incredible woman you are. Let's give it up for Pam. Woohoo! All right, here we go. Last but not least, here it is. Braxton, this is one's for you, man. Helping paint my house, cleaning the building, and for getting up before your brothers and spending time with Grandma at breakfast. Wow, that's an awesome one. Let's give it up for Braxton. You know, if you know Braxton, you know that's the kind of person he is. I'm telling you what, uh, what, a, what a wonderful relational young man you are. It's awesome. Mr. Finneman, your faithfulness and assembly with the Christians here is a huge encouragement and blessing. Thank you for being here this morning. And the last however many, it's been, it's been quite a long time. Ryan, your message was awesome. I never get these anymore. Let's give it up for Ryan once again. <laughs> All right. You know, I only have a couple of announcements. One of them is, is this coming Wednesday night, we're going to be at the parks. After that, uh, for October, we're going to be out at the Compton Homestead, uh, which I'm excited about. Uh, I, I haven't really asked you to pray except for maybe once a, a, a week here, but would you really keep me in your prayers for Poland and Belarus? I wasn't scared the first time I was going over very much. And after the first time, I wasn't concerned whatsoever. But now I am. If the door's open, I'm going to go. You know, Paul went into places where he was concerned, but the door was open, so he went. So if you would do that, that would be great. So I would like to be able to come back and uh, uh, see everybody in my home enjoying you know the evening assemblies and stuff like that so just pray about that but we're going to be in the compton homestead in october so pumpkin spice holiday bazaar november 5th and uh, there's going to be a meeting on the 9th october 9th to make sure we got all our ducks in a row or all our beavers in a row depending on which camp you're in in regards to the pumpkin spice holiday bazaar thank you already by the way mrs drillinger 
I was thinking maybe I could borrow one of those and no one would know that it was borrowed, but that would be, that'd be stealing. I'm not going to do that. I can put a dollar, yes. Okay, so she made some really, really yummy. Was it, is it jams? They're jelly jams. Yeah, jalapeno apple peach. I was going, that's got my name on it. So just do a little promotion here right now. Okay, we got to sing happy birthday to Melissa Winningham. Melissa, I hope you're watching. If you're not, I know you'll watch it later. Anybody else got a, a, a birthday coming up this week? Anybody? All right, here we go. No? Okay, here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right. Patience. Patience, my young man. Patience. How often I heard that. And uh, I have to be honest with you, as, a, as a, a human being outside of Christ, patience was a foreign concept to me. I want it right now. I want it my way. And uh, that doesn't work so well when you're a Christian. You're working for someone else when you're a Christian. And you're serving someone else according to their standard of uh, uh, life. And so we're going to take a look at the patience of God this morning. And then we're going to look at the patience of someone that had no patience whatsoever. It's always nice to get a picture of, well, I'm speaking to myself this morning. Get a picture in the scripture of someone that's like you. That before they were a Christian, they had zero patience. When they became a Christian, they still struggled a little bit until they matured. I'm hopefully maturing. <laughs> so here we go, patience. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians in chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Ephesians in chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, Christians in the city of Ephesus, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. If I haven't shared it yet, this passage of scripture is specifically communicating to us as Christians in the context of the church. It's not talking about us outside, although it would be good if we're patient with people outside the church. This is actually talking to us about being patient with each other in the context of the church. And also to apply that in our work with people drawing them into a relationship with Christ. And so I want to quickly define what patience means. But, you know, I, I make kind of light of what patience is because I don't think I have the right understanding. I'm, I'm figuring it out. 
The word patience here, as many of you well know, means long-suffering. Long-suffering. And uh, literally, the word here, as you'll see in your, in your lesson plans, is two words. It's a compound word. Macros. How many know what the word macro means? Microscope means to look at the small. Macro means to, be, to look at what? The big. Okay, in this case, macro means long, super long, long, like you can't even see the end, long, macros. And then, <laughs> thumos means temper. Temper. Long temper, like losing your temper. No, 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 notice what I just said, losing your temper. Temper is not blah, blowing up. Temper is self-control. That's why one of the character qualities of an elder is to be temperate. Meaning what? Long-suffering. Patient. Not easily provoked. So the two words there, macros, long, thumos, temper. And I, and I, pulled this definition out of the, the Greek dictionary. This patience means long-suffering in the character quality of self-restraint in the face of provocation. Self-restraint in the face of provocation. What's provocation? Does anybody know? To be provoked. To be provoked. How many have ever had a, a, a brother or a sister or a spouse literally poke you and tell you, stop already? Anybody ever have that before or am I the only one? Okay, yeah, some of you are smiling, nodding. Yep, uh-huh, that's being provoked. Okay, provocation. So when that stopped already is when you lose your temper. Your temper was good and then you lost it, see? I use that to illustrate. Long-suffering is the character quality of self-restraint in the face of provocation and does not hastily retaliate. <laughs> it doesn't say you don't retaliate. It says you don't hastily retaliate. You respond, but it is a controlled response. And again, I want to talk about a guy in the Bible who is who's a Christian and early on in his life, he was like, when things weren't going, going quite the way he wanted it to. And then later on in his life, when we see him getting poked by the devil, it's like, okay, how do I take this, this energy that I'm feeling right now and direct it? See, patience can be a very powerful tool, very powerful tool. Finally, the last thing I found in my study of this was it does not surrender or succumb to circumstances or trials. You know, the devil's in the business of drawing you out, literally drawing you out. You know, emotion, E means, in, in the Greek language, E means movement out, emotion, out of moving out. So guess what? If you are an impatient person, the devil's going to keep poking you until you do what? 
your emotions move out rather forcefully. And so it's important for us to recognize patience is powerful. How many of you ever had somebody do that to you before and you never gave in? And it just drove them crazy. To the point that they stopped. We need to recognize and understand that the devil is going to use every opportunity both inside the body and outside the body to draw you into anger. To draw you into being provoked and losing your temper. Therefore, long-suffering actually means to be persevering, forbearing, slowness in avenging wrong. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, my son, J or Jacob, Ryan, this morning, talked about how he is growing in his response to drivers on Beltline, especially when he's driving his, his big log truck. I can only imagine See, but we have all of that in our lives as well. It's just not a log truck and the crazy drivers on Beltline, or it might be. But my point is, is that we need to really understand that this is a powerful weapon for us to help others, particularly in the church. So point number two, patience of God and his chosen ones. The first one there, as you'll see here, is, is the patience of the Lord. How patient is the Lord? Question. How many years did he wait on Noah to build the ark so that he could destroy the world? Notice, he was patient with that sinful world. And that world was super sinful. The world was described as perverted and violent. Perverted and violent. Perverted and violent. I did that three times because... In the short section of a few scriptures, that's how God described the world. The, the, the thought of the intention of every heart was always on evil. That's when he started having the boat built. Patient? A hundred years? How patient are you? How patient am I? A hundred years worth? I'm continually being poked in the eye by the devil and refusing it and actually drawing people out of the darkness as they're trying to have you provoked. Interesting, isn't it? But let's take a look here. I love this passage because I can see myself in this passage. First Timothy, the beauty of the patience of God and the power of the patience of God. First Timothy chapter one, beginning in verse uh 15, here's what the Apostle Paul says. It's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am the foremost of all. I'm the worst of all sinners, he says. Yet for this reason, I found mercy so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience an example of those who would believe in him for eternal life. How many of you know what the word quintessence means? Quintessence. I, you know what? I knew that, that this example, Logan, is the quintessence of God's patience. I just knew it. And that word popped into my mind and as I was reading that. I go, 
What does that word mean? I don't want to use it in a sermon and have it be wrong. This, by the way, look up the word, is the quintessence of God's patience. The worst sinner that has ever existed from the first sinner to the last. That's what the Holy Spirit allowed to be penned here. Guess what? None of you are the worst sinners. Or were, I should say, the worst sinners. I don't know if that gives you any solace or not, but the interesting thing is it says that, that God extended mercy to the apostle, well, Saul at the time, who became an apostle. Do you know what Saul was doing? Saul held the coat, coats of all those who were stoning Stephen to death. And he would, became rabid after that. That's Acts chapter 7. You read all the way to Acts chapter 9, and boy, in those two little chapters, Paul or Saul went crazy. His sole purpose in life, mission, was to exterminate the church. So at night, every night, he would go out with a band of other zealots and they would kick in the doors of known Christians, those belonging to the way, and they would drag them out and they would imprison them till the morning. And in the morning, they'd be brought before the Sanhedrin. And if the people did not recant their faith, they were drawn out of the city and they were stoned to death. Over and over and over, every night, Notice the scripture says in Acts that they went into houses and pulled men and women out. Children are not included. We're not after the children. We want those who are adults who have made the commitment to Christ. Orphans. Murder. In the name of God. Some of you may have heard this story before, but had a in, very interesting Bible study with a man who called me after a meeting I had with him at the church here. And he said, could you meet me tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock? This is a man that was hardened, a very hard man. When he was here, he was like this. But he called me that night after that meeting. I really hadn't talked much about the Lord at all. He said, I need to talk with you. I said, okay. So he shared with me what he had to do in the military. He said, God could never love me. And when he shared his story, I got sick to my stomach. I didn't let on, but it was horrific what he was commanded to do. He told me, God can't, love me so I turned into this passage of scripture God was patient with that man so God can be patient with you and God has been patient with you you're here today we're having Bible study that man was immersed into Christ we need to recognize and understand the patience of God is more than a hundred years the patience of God has been over six thousand years and his patience still remains. Just think about how many times you individually have decided, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. 
I'm not going to listen to what God said. I'm going to do my own thing. How many times? Multiply that by, well, there's what? How many billion people on the earth right now? Six billion, probably six and a half billion. They say that about that many has been from the beginning. So what? How many billion 12, 13 billion people multiply all the times you poke God in the eye saying, I'm not going to do what you want to do. I want to do my own thing. And he's patient. I can't wrap my mind around how patient he is. He was patient with the worst of sinners. He's patient with every other. How many people did Jesus die for? Every single human being. He paid for their sins, but they have to receive that gift. They have a responsibility as well. He did the hard work. He did the heavy lifting. You just need to receive that gift through the gospel. I don't know about you, brethren, but God is so gracious in this passage of scripture. He is so patient. Now he asks us, and by the way, that's the same Greek word as what we're going to read now in this next passage. Look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. The Apostle Paul here, as an older mature gentleman, 2 Timothy chapter 3, he, is, he has served the Lord for years, almost 30 years. He served the Lord. And so, He's saying to a young man, listen to what he says here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 10, reading down through verse 12. He says, now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, long-suffering, as we've just learned, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch and at Iconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And I might add, therefore, all need to be long-suffering. It's terrible when people outside persecute you. It's also terrible when people inside persecute you. That should never be, but it happens. Brethren, Paul manifested the same exact patience that Jesus Christ manifested to him. He saw what Jesus did for him, the mercy he extended to him, the time he extended to him, the opportunities to grow he extended to him, and he turns around and he did the same exact thing for other people who were trying to kill him. Well, who was Paul trying to kill? Saul was trying to kill Christians, right? And Jesus gives him mercy and patience to grow out of that disaster. So what does the Apostle Paul do? He, over time, grows into that same mindset. That same exact mindset. That's the mindset we need to have. The Apostle Paul had nothing over you and I. Nothing. He had the same Holy Spirit. He, he had the same word. In fact, he wrote the vast majority of it through inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. So what about us? Are we long-suffering? Or do we lose our temper? Turn with me really quickly. This is a freebie, Proverbs chapter 16. I'm not going to charge you anything for this except for a few moments of your time. 
Proverbs chapter 16, the last two verses. I don't know about you, but as a Christian man, patient, God sees me as a strong man. I don't know about you, but I like to be a hero. And I want to be a hero in God's eyes. And notice what it says here in verse 32 and 33. He who is slow to anger, just verse 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he rules his spirit than he who captures a city. That's being patient. That's being long-suffering. That's being powerful. That's being a hero in God's army. By the way, did, were you listening last week when we saw that, that not only gentleness, but patience is actually three of the most powerful tools to win someone to Jesus Christ? The first one is kindness. The second one is patience. And the third one is gentleness. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. What great weapons he's given to us. And you know what's really awesome? Is, is the only person that gets hurt by our being patient, our being gentle, and our being kind is the devil. The person that we're being patient with isn't hurt. We're not hurt by destroying our ability to share. In fact, it builds our ability to share. And it actually does give people opportunity to come to their senses. This kind of weapon hurts no one except for the devil. The devil knows that. That's why he's going to keep poking you. Because he wants you to lose your temper. He wants you to retaliate. And when you do, you've lost and that other person potentially has lost. And who has won? <coughs> the devil. So please understand this is a powerful weapon, a powerful tool. The devil knows it, and the devil wants you to lose it. So we need to be all about understanding the nature of our life and the value of being patient. Now, let's, let's close with this. The examples of patience manifest in Christ. Let's go back to 1 Peter in chapter 3. I talked about it just briefly but I want you to understand that really it was Jesus who was patient, not just with Noah, but he was patient with all of mankind during that hundred plus years. First Peter chapter three, and let's take a look at verse 18. That's where we'll start this morning. Notice it says, for Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, the, the innocent, the sinless, for the guilty, the sinful, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in whom or, or in which or in the spirit also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons were brought safely through the water. When did Jesus in the spirit go and make proclamation to these souls? Some people say, well, after he died, he went to hell and he made proclamation to these souls. Why? They're stuck in hell waiting to go to the lake of fire. Why would he go down there? He didn't. We know he went to paradise to proclaim liberty to all the faithful Old Testaments. He's talking about the spirit of Christ 
speaking through Peter. Go back to 2 Peter chapter 2 and you'll see it. The Spirit of Christ was proclaiming through Peter, repent and help me build the boat. Get in the boat because the judgment of God is coming. Can you imagine Noah? Because that's what's being said both in First and Second Peter. He's building this monolithic boat. He's never done that before. People coming along and ridiculing him about the boat, about his building the boat, and then him proclaiming some stupid, what, judgment of who? Let me try to put this into perspective. Jeff, may I use you as an example? This is a good example. I'm going to use you as an example of Noah and the spirit of Noah working through you to put a roof on this old building with the help of a young man over there to spirit it. But let me ask you a question, Noah, Jeff. Noah, Jeff, Jeff, Noah. But let me ask you a question. If I were to come out here every time I go, this is the stupidest thing I think I've ever seen. I've seen people do roofs, but this, this is a joke. Why are you doing it that way? Why are you putting a roof on here? And then everybody else goes by and goes, what are you doing? And you're saying, well, I'm serving the Lord. Who? I, I'm trying to help keep the, the, what? Every single person did that. You're up there laboring away for the people and they're all criticizing you. Now tell me, poke in the eye every single time. How long are you going to be on that roof, Jeff? Until you reach completion. That's exactly what Noah did. Would it be a little bit more difficult to be patient? Would it be a little bit more difficult? You might want to throw a hammer at somebody. <laughs> I don't, I don't have to say anything, Jeff. Okay, Jeff, because you're probably a better man than I am. Jeff's way more patient. He puts up with me. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I would throw hammers. I would say, well, do it yourself. I would be done. A hundred years. Does somebody get the picture of what I'm talking about? Man, God is patient with people. He's patient with you. Why do we keep poking him in the eye? Why not just say, I'm going to do it your way. And I'm thankful that you saved me. And I know I don't have it all figured out yet. Forgive me where I've fallen short. Help me to grow so I can become just like you. Wouldn't that be great? Do you think that's needed in the body of Christ here? When someone's trying, someone's trying to do better. Well, you know what? If I were doing it, this is how I'd do it. And I've been here a lot longer, so my way is the right way. I, what? That's terrible. Someone's trying to overcome a sin. And you keep telling them, man, you're going to hell because of that. You're going to hell because of that. How about, hey, can I come alongside? Maybe we could do something a little bit different. Let me help you. It's a difference, isn't there? Now, I want to close with this. We absolutely need to be patient with each other. We absolutely need to be patient with each other. Because if we're not, some aren't going to make it. Because they were criticized, they were cut short, they were not listened to. 
We really do need to engage with each other. And when a brother or sister is struggling, don't cut them off. Jesus didn't cut those people off until the boat was done and every day he preached to get in the boat, to get in the boat, to get in the boat. If they didn't get in the boat, whose fault was it? Whose fault? Not God's, it was their fault. So now let's take a look at Matthew. We'll close with Matthew. Matthew in chapter 18. We oftentimes look at this from the angle of forgiveness because that's how we're supposed to look at it according to the header. You know, when you read the header, the header is gospel. You just have to see it that way and no other way. Uh, let me share with you that there's more going on here than just forgiveness. All right? Let's take a look. Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21. And I'm going to emphasize a particular word. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, poke me in the eye, and I forgive him, be patient with him? Up to seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven, the church, the body of Christ, the family of God, can I say that and not be adding to or taking away? The kingdom of God is the church, amen? The kingdom of God is the body of Christ, amen? I could give you book, chapter, verse to prove it. I'm just saying. So this talking about you and me, this talking about us. Just want to make sure we got that one done. Now look at verse 24. When he had begun to settle, the, well, let me make sure I do this. For this reason, the kingdom of God may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means uh, to repay, the Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and be repayment uh, to be made. So the slave fell to the ground, prostrated himself before him, saying, Have long suffering, same word, with me, and I'll repay you everything. In other words, give me some time. Be patient with me, and I will get it figured out. That's great. And the Lord of that slave, God obviously we know is the Lord of that slave. We know the slave's a Christian. The Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went and found one of his fellow slaves, a.k.a. that Christian who was forgiven by God, who God was patient with him, goes out and finds another Christian. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow saints or <laughs> slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, which is a very small amount. And he seized him and began to choke him saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have patience, long-suffering with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved, came and reported it to their Lord, all that had happened. Then summoning him, the guy who he had forgiven because of extending patience to him. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy? Notice mercy and patience go hand in hand. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger and handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed. 
My, my Heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you, church members, body of Christ, does not forgive his brother from the heart and extend patience. I don't know about you, but I, I think I want to learn patience. Not just for me, but honestly, more importantly, because I want to slay the devil in people's lives. I want to slay the devil. So kindness, patience, and gentleness are how I do that. Now, I have to be honest with you. As you well know, many of you could probably give examples of my not being perfectly patient. But I must share with you, if you've been watching, I've changed a lot. I'm not, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't achieved the goal of perfect patience, but I know it's in me. I know he's in me. And he is in you if you're a Christian. And you can be patient as he was patient. Now, I just scratched the surface. There's a lot of scripture, both Old and New Testament, about the patience of God and the patience of his people. I want to close with the one example that I so dearly love about Saul, who became Paul, and he changed the world because he was patient. So how many remember Saul and, and Silas and uh, John Mark, they take off on their first missionary journey. And they don't get too far into it, and things get a little rough. And what happens to John Mark? I forgot my pacifier at home. I'll go back and get it, and then I won't come back because I'm jumping ship. John Mark freaked out. Ran back to Mama. Well, that's exactly true. Now Barnabas, when Paul says, hey, let's go back and encourage all the churches that we went to. That sounds like a good idea. Let's bring John Mark and know what the Apostle Paul do. Man, that guy had a meltdown. It says they had a very harsh conflict. Barnabas says, no, man, he, he, we got to give him another chance. Sounds like somebody trying to be what? Patient. Paul's saying, I'm not having none of that. No way. Out. Now, both those guys are great preachers. And both of them continued the work. Barnabas gives a great example of being patient. And how many of you know that his patience paid off? In the close of his life, in 2 Timothy, Paul says, please, talking to Timothy, he says, please bring John Mark with you. Everybody else has forsaken him. John Mark has stayed the course. He's become a great man of God. And Paul recognizes that the man who said no is now saying, please bring him. You see, even a hothead can change. Even the worst hothead can change. There's hope for me. There's hope for us. Please don't give up.
I'll be patient with you. Please be patient with me and together we'll become the great and awesome and powerful invincible army of God. The time is almost here, brethren, for Armageddon. And so I want to be fully prepared. And we can be. We can be. Every conversation is an opportunity to express patience and gentleness and kindness this coming week. As I said about the Lord's table, so let us not forget. We can rise up and be just like our great King Jesus. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, I am so deeply thankful for the rich blessings, the blessings of patience in fullness through your indwelling presence, your Holy Spirit. And Father, the, the word that you've given us as we open it up, the light of your glorious character is manifest. As we read daily and we think and process the information, it's incredible what we see. I pray, Father, that you would help us to recognize and understand that patience is a huge and powerful tool to building the body of Christ as we work together. Extending mercy, extending grace, and yet calling people to greater service in your kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand up. I know, before we stand up, I, I, I don't know, the house is a little more empty. I think I scared everybody last week, telling them we're going to do patience. I'm so glad you're here. Awesome. Was it that bad? Okay, good. <laughs> what did Jesus say to do? He said to? Go! Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right. <laughs> Let's go be patient. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.